0: I think customers might know more than me about this campaign. The last longest subculture that we had was, I think, emo (laughs) in, like, 2004. The conversation needs to be more around attribution than it does incrementality. How do you get to the bottom of the internet?
1: (laughs) Hello. Hello. You're listening to an episode of the Affiliate Marketing Diaries from Navigate Digital. I'm David Hall, the host of today's episode. In each episode, a different, interesting and capable person with a wealth of knowledge and performance marketing experience from running successful affiliate marketing programs, shares some of their highs and lows, joys and frustrations, hopes and expectations of this global customer acquisition channel. Today, we track the click path taken by Laura Bennetts, the digital marketing lead of affiliates for Tew Clothing, the highly successful clothing brand for Sainsbury's. Let me give you a brief recap on what's brought Laura here. A graduate of fashion from Nottingham, specifically comms and proms, that's communications and promotions for the uninitiated. Post-uni, Laura was a personal menswear stylist before she properly discovered her marketing mojo when she joined the GOAT agency the world's leading social first advertising agency powered by influencers. A unique experience and expertise that she brings to the affiliate channel and something I'm keen to hear her talk about. From there, Laura joined Sainsbury's, first as digital marketing associate for affiliates on the Argus and TU clothing programs. And last November, Laura became the digital marketing lead focusing on TU clothing. Let's open the mic and hear what Laura has to share with us. Laura Bennetts, Digital Marketing Lead of Affiliates for Chew Clothing. Welcome to the Affiliate Marketing Diaries.
0: Yes, thank you very much for having me, David. I really appreciate it. I'm very excited to chat to you.
1: Me too. Now, no one I've ever met has ever said that they were thinking about affiliate marketing as a career when they first started looking for a job. So let's ask that all-important first question. When did you first become aware of the Performance Channel? And when did you think that affiliate marketing was a thing
0: um so I joined the Sainsbury's Argos company on and I I remember specifically because I was very excited about getting the job it was the 29th of June in 2020 and I think we're about three months into the first initial lockdown so it was quite a long it feels like it was quite a long time ago So yeah, 29th of June. I think I fully understood what affiliate marketing was probably the December after. I think even when I was applying for the role, the the bit that appealed to me the most was how closely it sat with influencer marketing. So kind of like the publisher relationships, everything like that. My previous job was very much looking after influencers and sort of being that middle point of contact between themselves and the brand. So for me, it was kind of like that that communication side of things that was really really appealing I don't think I really fully understood like the breadth of how many publisher types there were until about six months into the role when I'd done a lot more meetings with publishers I'd had a bit more of an opportunity to sort of delve into the landscape and I was kind of like oh okay actually this is a lot broader than what I initially thought. It feels
1: like it presents a really interesting challenge one that by the sounds of it, you weren't expecting, which is, I've got this job, you get in there and you're like, oh, was it... Overwhelming probably seems a bit much and probably a bit harsh, but was it in some way a bit daunting to then realise that it wasn't quite such a narrow path and that affiliate Martin covered such a breadth?
0: Yeah, I think I think it was quite overwhelming, especially because when we started, the team was so small. So originally we didn't have an in-house team, Um, And I was actually hired to help the channel move in-house. So when I started, we had my manager, who I think had been within the company for about 12, 13 years, such a broad range of experience across not only the company, but also affiliate marketing. And then there was myself and another colleague and our sort of direct line managers. There was only four of us and we kind of didn't really, (laughs) we didn't have that much experience between us, especially with myself and the girl that was hired in the same role as me. So, a lot of it was just kind of muddling my way through, especially because it was four separate brands. We had Argos, Sainsbury's, Uh, we eventually took on Habitat as well, and we had two clothing, so... There was an awful lot to soak up, especially when every single publisher wants to work with all of the brands in a slightly different way, but they definitely want to work with all the brands. So a lot of it was questions that I was getting asked where I was just kind of like, God, you know what? Actually, I have no idea. I'm going to have to take this away. Yeah, I'm supposed to be the one that knows the answer to this. So a lot of it was, yeah, kind of learning on the job, definitely about like, all of the complexities around like tracking and integration and all of the different publisher types. I mean, I didn't really I didn't really use sites like that myself outside of work. So again, that was quite a big learning point. I was like, wow, you can get cash back on on, on my purchases. God, I should do, be using And Do this. you use cash back now? <laughs> do you know what? No I don't. <laughs>
1: <sighs> so I did want to ask you about the the fact you were a small team and, and you were in-housing the programme from where?
0: So we originally had the the whole programme being managed by the team at CJ. So it was, you know, the network that managed the programme and then we made the decision that we wanted to in-house it. So that's why, that's the reason that I got hired into um, St. Argos anyway. Um but yes, it was all all managed through by CJ.
1: And what challenges did that then throw? Because that must have been really, you know, that was a big decision, and and uh, CJ was a big part of what you were doing. How how did you how did you make that transition work?
0: Do you know? I think it was they managed it really well, and I think it was probably more challenging for them than it was for me because they were obviously coming into two new uh, members of staff. They they really managed all of that through for us, and there was only two of the, three three of them um, that kind of managed this huge transition um yeah it was quite incredible really and it was a real learning curve and actually massively instrumental into my introduction to the affiliate industry
1: but you're still with cj so are they are you still engaging with them and talking to them on on you know those those individuals on a daily basis
0: yeah daily daily we talk to them you know they're always on hand to support they're you know a really a really incredible team
1: Tell us about the first project where you thought you really made a difference, and what was it where you'd made a difference, either personally or maybe how well the program performed, or just your engagement with the with the the affiliate channel.
0: That's a really great question, actually, because a lot happens on both of those programs. I think on Argos we have so many promotions going live every week. Um, you it was you were kind of drip fed into the into the routine. Because on Argos it very much is a routine, you know. You have got similar campaigns going live every year, um, seasonally, and kind of those bigger, those bigger sort of promotions where we've got like, you know, a toy stunt or something like that. Um, and cust- customers are dedicated to to this brand in some way that they do know when all of those things are going to be happening. So you would often see chatter about, you know, the Argos toy stunt or um, the Argos. Black Friday, things like that, you'd see conversation about that happening way before. And sometimes it was the case where you're like, oh, I think customers might know more than me about this campaign because <laughs> because they're so used to it happening in, in a routine. So I think, yeah, to start off with, it was very much a drip feed into that, that campaign cycle. But to be honest with you, the, the biggest one that I think... I would call out would have to be the Argos Black Friday because it really is a huge event and we start talking about it very very early so
1: Ooh, how, how early
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think have I I to be honest with you, you finish Black Friday and there's already conversations about the next one happening because you're already taking those learnings about okay what went really well what didn't work so well here let's let's already make a document about what learnings we can take forward into the next year. So those conversations start pretty much straight away. Black Friday is a really interesting little moment to get into, actually. When you're in a company that's as, as big and as vast as Argos and Sainsbury's, so much of your workload depends on other people and and other teams within the business. So it's not a case of, you know, we can just sort of say, all right, we're going to do this and let's just book it in and let's just go. Because we're somewhat reliant on the budget We're reliant on the promotions that are going live and who it's actually going to be relevant for. We're reliant on when the publishers get their media kits together and when they're ready to talk to us about Black Friday. And then we're somewhat reliant on ourselves and our own workload and when we can sort of manage to get that all in. So it's really quite difficult because things are going to be changing right up until that last minute. I mean, to put it to give you an idea. So. The, the Black Friday that's just gone I was still working on Argos at that point I hadn't completely transitioned over into my role in two and we it's it's actually such a fantastic day or such a fantastic couple of days because we all go up into the office together um, we'll quite often get a hotel um, you know the, the office is filled to the brim with snacks we've got loads of little things popping off in the office and it's it's a really really good atmosphere um, and people are doing shifts within their teams that pretty much means that somebody is online twenty four hours a day for a good like week. Uh luckily in my team I don't have to do so much of that, whereas like the, the search and the paid side of team they have to be there all the time. Whereas we don't have that so much because everything has sort of been pre booked. However on, I think, the actual day of Black Friday, I looked at the rotor that we'd put together and I saw that I had a 5 a.m. start. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I even going to be doing at 5 a.m.? I was like, I'll probably go in, I'll monitor, you know, I'll monitor the accounts. You know, I, pro- I probably won't have too much to do. I was really wrong. As soon as I got in, there was emails, there was, you know, publishers that were emailing me changes that needed to be made made there was in-flight stuff that was happening straight away and i definitely didn't expect it to be that sort of full-on so yeah i can't even remember what your original question was but it was hectic
1: <laughs> To be honest. The, the question the question or the answer no the environment absolutely uh yeah no 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 I think, I think we got to we get to an interesting place if you look back at your you know this this early uh, stuff that you did with affiliate marketing, is there something you would tell yourself, or something you wish you knew, that would help you have done it in a slightly different way?
0: Yeah, definitely. Actually, I think the biggest learning that I've taken from the last Black Friday that we ran is to be bolder, to make those decisions.
1: What does that mean? Be bolder. I like it, but what does it mean?
0: We ran some very good flat flash rates across cashback sites because at the moment we've got that new and existing customer implemented and it's strategically really strong but I think for customers especially existing customers you know they can always see the they can always see the new customer rate there so to put a flat cashback rate on at a very very bold you know commission rate yeah at a key key campaign time was very very effective and I think that wasn't something that we'd considered until we were pushed to make that decision and make that move. So I think going forward, it's making the decisions quicker. It's being bolder with what we're doing. And it's feeding back to the business about the effectiveness of some of this uh, activity as well. And some of this exposure, it's not always about sort of taking that, standard option you know we did this last year that's rebook it in this year it's about being a bit more bolder it's about changing it up a little bit
1: i want to pick you up on on something you said you said you were pushed into making a decision what was the push
0: i think from a year on year perspective we could see the trajectory of the performance going down in flight in a in one single day and we were and we were sort of at that point where we were like okay if we don't do something now this could this could continue so let's change it and we had to make a decision as as everybody within the industry will be aware cashback is the quickest way to get to turn around your performance so it that was kind of like the natural decision i think
1: the other very strong area is of course the voucher code space
0: i think the biggest question across the industry for voucher at the moment is probably the incrementality side of things and i think especially across Argos where we don't have exclusive codes that run at the moment. I guess the question is would a customer have got to that point of committing to that sale had they not seen the offer on a voucher website? Had they not visit us, visited us directly? You know, customers go to that voucher website because they want to see a voucher code. So if we did have the ability to run an exclusive code on Argos, that would that would be a better incentive or for, for publishers to even work with us or want to give us you know those more premium placements and at the moment we don't necessarily have that so it's a difficult one because they're kind of just sort of you get what you're given A question
1: that comes out from there is the incrementality stuff why and how you can say well we're okay with cash back that's an you know, that's incremental when the individual's getting some money back From their purchase versus a voucher code, where they're getting money off there and then, and it's it's less tangibly incremental from the way you described it. Is that right? Is that fair? You know, should should the industry be debating this?
0: It's not fair. I agree.
1: (laughs) There'll be voucher codes up the country, (laughs) raising their hands in joy and celebration of this. And why is it not fair?
0: I think the conversation needs to be more around attribution than it does incrementality. So I think, you know, we're we're so aware that so many publishers will feed into that journey of a customer actually going through to the purchase. Um, And quite luckily, I don't know how how much I can shoehorn CJ's capabilities in here, but they do actually have a customer journey tool that allows us to be able to see that in more detail. So especially from like a content perspective, you know, a lot of content publishers will start off that customer journey but then the customers because they are so savvy will end up converting through a cashback website or perhaps even a deals website once they've gone around and researched their purchase in a little bit more detail so we're we're well aware that there's there has to be a more flexible approach to looking at incrementality and we're always going to factor that in when it comes to working with different publisher types, because we can clearly see that there's value in the likes of content or influencer or anything like that, because customers are using it in that research and that consideration part of the purchase. It's a really exciting conversation to have as well, because from a fashion perspective, that's something that we can really get our teeth into for two clothing. It's not something that's fully developed on the programme and it's something that i'm working really really hard towards is being able to find you know better avenues for customers to discover to clothing Especially from a menswear perspective, so if any publishers are listening <laughs> that have a menswear site that they'd like to use for two clothing, please reach out to me on my email. <laughs>
1: we'll, we'll definitely make sure that that happens, and we'll, we'll we'll identify how to how to people can contact you uh, at the end. Well, let's get into that influencer stuff because I think that is interesting. I also think that you know you come from a world of influencer. You know that that was um you know, the goat agency is that space, and so you have an experience that other people don't the the PMI event uh, has had the influencer section for you know some time now from, so for several years it still doesn't feel like affiliate has really been adopted by influencers like the influencer space or that the affiliate space has adopted influencers in or welcome them in I don't know why they still sit very separately why do you think they're such challenging bedfellows
0: yeah no I think you're totally right it's it's a really interesting discussion to have to have i think because for me what i can see the main difference between the influencer space and the affiliate space being is stability i think that the nature of publishers the nature of affiliate marketing is far developed over influencer and therefore the environment is just more stable it's you know you can pretty much guarantee that a cashback publisher that you're working with one year is still going to have the same influence if not more The second year round and you know you can guarantee that the the more time and effort and budget that you're putting into these publishers is going to result in higher and higher performance year after year after year it's growing the influencer space I don't necessarily see that happening I think that it's a much more delicate ecosystem and I think a lot of that comes down to the the way that the trends and the the way that the trends move through the social platforms I think the the delicate nature of what people find interesting on on different social platforms and it's it's just a lot more fragile you know the some somebody who is a big influencer one year could have a scandal. They could just, you know, they could go viral and people lose interest in them after a while. There's, there's so many factors that can affect their performance that I think it has to be a, a much more fluid, um, it has to be a much more fluid way of working with them where it, we're monitoring it a lot more closely. I think even from when I was working back at the go agency, the benefit of influence marketing is that you can get a lot more niche and you can target people um, interested in very, very specific things. You know, I, I I think at one point I was researching cricketers in Singapore. I had to find customers that would be interested in these influences and the influencers had to have something to do with cricketing in <laughs> Singapore. OK, did you find many? Like how niche can you get? no no I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't find a lot of them because it's it's really really challenging you know how do you how do you get to the bottom of the internet <laughs> do you know what how I mean? do you
1: get to the bottom of the internet and other meaningful <laughs> yeah. conversations that's like a that's like a, a story written by Salman Rushdie it's do you,
0: and it my my interest in this is quite deep because because of what I did at my degree as well so I actually ended up specialising one of my so I did like three dissertations one of my dissertations was on internet subcultures and how the more stable subcultures of like you know goth punk mod etc they don't happen anymore you know the la- the last longest subculture that we had was I think emo in like 2004 and you know from there we've just seen things move so quickly through the internet it's it's outrageous but that exemplifies
1: your point really interesting as well i really like that. Yeah. i'm sure others will which is this this idea of stability there is no stability in team culture and that was reflected with influencers that's a really smart observation and a really interesting challenge as to why the two are not good bedfellows let's jump into another uh, interesting idea the hierarchy of affiliate marketing within the marketing team so how do you see yourself as I uh, forgive the word important compared to everyone else within the marketing team?
0: I think a lot of this probably comes down to, to everybody's understanding of affiliate marketing because I don't think there's any question at all that affiliate marketing is a space that everybody should be in because if you're not you're missing out on a gap um, in the industry and you know missing out on capturing the customers. However, I do think that when you compare it to the 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 revenue and the reach of some of these other channels, which um, somewhat rely more on you know impressions, clicks, etc., you couldn't compare it really at all because the revenue that they drive will always be more um, than than what comes through on affiliates.
1: And is that back to the the um, the attribution? It's being attributed to clicks and impressions rather than
0: Very possibly, yeah, very, very possibly.
1: So how does that affect your role as an affiliate marketing manager or how does it affect anyone's role as an affiliate program manager? What should they do within their team? How do we make affiliate marketing stronger? How do we give it a bigger flag?
0: Well, like anyone that joins affiliate marketing, right, is going to be really, really super strong in communication. Transfer that and become an educator. And you have to dedicate time to educating the business the team you have to shout about what's good and what's happening and you know display like showcase the activity that's going live across different publisher websites it, you you definitely have to flip and change quite a lot from being you know I'm an affiliate marketer to I'm actually going to sell affiliate marketing to everybody else so um, that as well actually back to your first initial question on you know how did you get to the point where you understood affiliate marketing it's because i was educating everybody else around it as well that actually i i had i had to get a grasp of it really quickly and had to you know i found them asking really interesting questions that i'd then take away and discover more about
1: so did you have a team around you that were equally interested did did they want to hear from from laura and the affiliate team or was there a moment of oh oh laura's laura's on a soapbox again (laughs)
0: What, with this friendly face? No, they were always glad to see me. (laughs) Laura, you'd
1: be fine, but how how did the rest of us
0: cope? (laughs) Yeah, do you know what? I think there's, within within Sainsbury's, we've got a really, really large uh, education culture anyway, you know, it's always about expanding your breadth of knowledge outside of your own channel. Um, and I think from an Argos perspective, especially, you know, teams that were involved in the campaign that wanted to, you know, push particular products further within the training teams and stuff like that. People that work with suppliers, they always want to be able to, you know, offer more avenues for that supplier or for that product to, to work its hardest. So affiliates kind of, you know, we came out of the woodwork. They weren't quite sure where we were. And I came in and I was like, Hello this is actually a really efficient channel. Have you seen how efficient we are? Look at all the stuff that we can do. And they went, wow, oh my God, you can drive that much revenue without really spending that much. That's incredible. This this seems like an absolute no-brainer. Why aren't we using affiliates? This is a really efficient way for us to be able to put our budget to use.
1: It's actually quite simple, isn't it? Um, it when you boil yeah. it down to that point, you're saying "Tell the, t- demonstrate and tell the team about the efficiency um, To some extent, it boils down to that that ROI against budget. Uh, You know, it's it's important and it's valuable. And would you say that being able to make those arguments and, and present them has then freed you up for securing additional monies to spend within the channel?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's given us masses of freedom. I think that, you know, the more conversations that we're having, the more people that are interested in, the more, you know, we're increasing the reach of affiliate marketing within the company, the more people want to test it and see how it works. And yeah, we've we've seen a lot of interest across the business in, in what we can do. And I think that's not even from just that lower funnel, super efficient perspective either. I think, you know, then selling to them around, well, we don't just do lower funnel, we've actually got all of this stuff up funnel, you know, we've got all these content things, you know, we're hitting customers at the consideration point of the purchase, have you done that? They're, they're then saying, well, actually, that's another avenue that we hadn't really considered. And if a campaign, for example, like a product launch isn't necessarily about, you know, if that particular supplier doesn't want to see, you know just revenue coming through the door they also want to increase their awareness of a product well guess what we've got a solution for that as well i think it's yeah really about flexing the whole of the funnel and and making it work de- dependent on what that team or what that supplier wants to see
1: let's uh, let's shake things up what's the most unconventional idea or um, or even strategy that you think would shake up
0: affiliate marketing i think it probably would be something to do more with the influencer space i think maybe if you could get the influence team and the affiliate team to work more closely and to combine the the influencers that are working with just you know get the instagram stories get the get the posts get the tiktoks etc with the affiliate codes a bit a bit more uh uh, if you got them to work together in a bit more of a cohesive way that could really shake things up quite a lot it's still really quite complex you'd think it wouldn't be from what i've just described get the teams to work together that sounds great it's actually it is actually really complex especially when you start factoring in you know budgets and um you know strategies and what each channel needs to be delivering it's quite complex
1: perhaps that gives us the chance to talk about what CJ is enabling you to do from that perspective, because there is a change for them, right? They, they, are, they are able to give you insights on the journey. I don't really understand it actually, but what's the insight that it's giving you and, and, how, and how, does, how does CJ work for you that, on that basis?
0: So it works as part of their insights um, tool, which is something that I have up on a separate tab, day in, day out, every day, refreshed on the hour to check what's happening. It's it's really great tool. Um, but as part of that, they've got a customer journey insight tool. And I can't, forgive me CJ, I can't remember the date that that actually got implemented onto the um, onto the, the platform. But it's, it's quite insightful um, to use, um, to be able to see a little bit more detail about that customer journey, because before we could say, you know, oh, we know customers start off at content and they end up at cashback. But where how can we actually see that? Because because we are just documenting where that that last click comes from. So it's, it's really interesting. It breaks it down into, you know, the discovery section. It breaks it down into, um, you know, the the evaluation section, which again, I think is incredibly important, important because, you you know, you have that starting point, you've got that end point, but where's that customer going in the middle as well? What sites are they dipping from, you know, are they checking a voucher code out on hot UK deals to make sure it's legitimate? Are they going from content publisher to content publisher to content publisher? There's, it's a real, it's a real mix actually. When you really look into it, it's a real mix of where they're actually going through and it's interesting to see how many touch points there were from different type like you know different customers so i think and then they've got the the sections well where, where it's the converting partner and they can break it all down for you so you can see what percentage of customers have a single use you know single use journey or they've they've hit multiple websites it's it's really interesting tool and i think for us, it definitely helps when we're doing a lot more of that content activity to be able to say, well, oh gosh, we didn't see a lot of revenue coming through from that or something, you know, but actually when we look back at that journey, we can see, oh, actually, do you know what? They were a really, really important part of that step. So we can't ignore the value that that publisher holds.
1: I really like that. It plays very much into educating the wider team around what's going on. And, they're, you know, they're asking for not unreasonably proof. We are all interested in how the customer got there. And so it, it's... It's brilliant that the affiliate industry is keener than ever to show that uh, that value and show that journey. What what is Laura's side hustle?
0: <laughs> My side hustle. <laughs> I don't do I don't do any kind of like things where I'm trying to bring in extra money I've definitely got hobbies that are just fun and especially I think for me I'm like a massive believer of like the work-life balance as well you know I sit in front of my laptop so many hours of the day you know or you know on my phone or anything like that that when it comes to my own personal time I have to be outdoors I can't I can't sit in front of a screen any more than what I do. But you must so be I sitting think... in front
1: of a screen a bit because I know that you record a couple of other podcasts or have yes. and so that's yes. not really yes. getting away from is it? <laughs>
0: No, not really. Yeah. That that comes under that that comes under the category of hanging out with friends uh, <laughs>
1: okay, for okay. me.
0: In my mindset. So yeah, I've got I've got a couple of a couple of other podcasts. Some some of which were born through lockdown as well. So we've got we've got one born out of a joint Spotify playlist that I had with one of my friends dedicated to Korean R and B and pop music. And we ended up making a podcast off the back of that where we took our favourite songs or we took a new album release or as the K-pop industry likes to release mini albums um, as well, which are usually only sort of like, you know, five, six tracks. And we'd take that and we'd just review it or talk through it. Interesting things that happen within their industry, which actually, if you don't know a lot about. You know korean pop music sits incredibly closely with influencer marketing it's insane
1: i'm gonna ask you for a um pop for the affiliate program manager we will put it up as a as a link on the um on the end description
0: wow yeah any, any? Does it have to have an affiliate marketing? Well, no, no,
1: no, it's, it's. <laughs> hey, I, you're you're the curator. You, it's it's for you to say. It's 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 K-pop for an affiliate program manager. So is it to keep them up all night, making sure that they're checking and uh, and validating yeah, those transactions? Maybe. I'm good with it. Whatever, whatever you want it to be.
0: We could have it, especially for Black Friday as well. With there's a song called Maniac by a group called Stray Kids. Maybe that would work for some of the early mornings that I've had. It to already sounds like you've got the first for the first
1: strike in there. Brilliant. I'm looking. We're, we're all looking forward to that. Let's. Bring ourselves to some some end stuff. A uh, couple couple of interesting things that everyone's always always you know keen to know. What um, what tools you use on a daily basis, and also at the same time, I'm going to ask you about affiliates that you would like to champion.
0: Day to day, I would say that eighty percent of what I look at is stuff that sits across the CJ platform. So insights, performance reports, you know, the, their publisher recruitment tool. It it's um, those are probably what I end up spending a majority of my time on outside of my own Excel spreadsheet landscape. I would like to be able to utilise tools like SimilarWeb a lot more. So looking at uh, the competitor landscape and, you know, revenue shares and seeing what publishers are driving revenue for other competitors. I think for us, that's like quite a interesting tool to look at. In terms of publisher recruitment, that's definitely like something that I use to be able to do to discover websites that I might not already be using and then with the with the question around the publishers that I champion this one's an interesting one actually because like what do I want to share and what do I want to keep hidden because I don't want it to dilute you know what I mean so I'm gonna have to definitely champion one of my favorite publishers which I think everyone in the business is probably sick of hearing me talk about but Daniel Chubb runs Dansway Communications and it's a fantastic network of Facebook pages and he has a really really dedicated team that will go out and source all of these um, offers and promotions you know I've seen their websites grow massively since I've even joined the channel but again it hits that kind of very niche audience looking for a very specific thing and you know his team are obviously very trusted by the people that follow the communities. So, for me, they're a really, really interesting uh, publisher type, and I, you know, I absolutely see the value in those Facebook communities. I'd love, I'd love to see more, more publishers like that. I think it's actually a really good question. I, I love Dunsway Communications.
1: I'm going to put your LinkedIn profile. Um up as a link on the uh, on the description. But uh, where else and how else, uh, where would we like to see what industry events you like to be at? So how else can we get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, LinkedIn's probably good enough. I think, um, yeah, do you know what, actually, ironically, despite all my interest in kind of like, you know, influence marketing and stuff like that, my own private life, I like to keep quite hidden. On the internet, because I know the depths of where it can go. So, um, yeah, I think from from a pro- professional perspective, please do feel free to contact me on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, <laughs> That's very well put. Should be linked below.
1: Do I have one last question before before we wrap up? Which is, in the same way that we open up with a, a question, I would like to ask every guest. But because you're the very first person, I wasn't able to do this. But I would like to ask you a question. Which is, which is, what question do you want me to put to our next guest?
0: I, I think I'd like to ask them, has working in affiliate marketing changed the way that you yourself consume media or has your shopping behaviours changed?
1: <laughs> Laura, thank you so much for being my guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. I knew it was going to be a good conversation just from my build-up previously, but uh, I really hope you enjoyed it too. Thank you for for being part of the affiliate marketing diaries. That's all, folks. If you found something useful in this or a previous episode, we'd love to hear what it was and how you acted on it. You can leave comments on Navigate Digital's website, where you can also find a transcript of this conversation and links to all the references, websites, or tools mentioned in this and all episodes please like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform to be kept up to date of each episode when it's released. Thanks for listening and bye for now.